and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, our dearest friend, Matthew Penny, is back. And it's a mock draft podcast, folks. We are going to go 1 through 30 in the first round. Probably talk a little bit more about the top end than we will about the back end. Having said that, I feel like the top five or so is pretty set. And then... The chaos happens after number six starts. So maybe maybe we'll dive further into like the six to ten range, Penny. Yeah, we'll start with a sixth pick and go down from there yeah. and see where it leads us. <laughs> I think that's what the people want. They don't want to hear us want, yeah. uh, go with whoever you're going to take at number one overall. So that, that's no, the move. We get it. You guys like Kate Cunningham. Move on. We're trying. <laughs> How are things going on your end, Penny? Uh, things are awesome. I'm, I'm always excited to be a, a passenger on the NBA Draft Podcast Express, so I, I can't complain. I'm, I'm always honored to be invited back. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I'm honored to have you. I, I would say there's more <laughs> more honor going that way. So uh, let's just jump in. Let's not let's do it. Waste any time. We typically waste like ten minutes before we start recording. Let's not do that today. Let's just go on ahead, dive in, and I. For what it's worth, the order, we're using teams this time. This is not just like us listing 30 prospects. So the order is going to be, let me make sure it lines up. Oh, please I get the right say. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, uh, that, that seems like a good idea. Okay. It's going to be Houston, Detroit, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Cleveland, Orlando, Toronto, Orlando, Sacramento, New Orleans is your top 10. Starting at 11, Indiana, Washington, San Antonio, Memphis, Charlotte, Boston, Golden State, Atlanta, Oklahoma City, Lakers. Then starting at 21, Knicks, Rockets, Knicks again, Rockets again, Denver, Brooklyn, Clippers, Philly, Phoenix, Utah. So, Penny, with the number one overall pick to the Houston that's, Rockets, go on that's ahead. me. Yeah, I'm I'm honored to make the number one pick. No, no surprise, this is like the last five mock drafts we've done here. Going with Cade Cunningham, guard, Oklahoma State, best available guy for me on the board, the highest level player. Will be playing alongside guys like John Wall, but can play with many different interchangeable parts fairly easily. That's the way his game is. He seamlessly fits with different guys. His game is going to go to new levels with spacing and shooters especially in the corners on drives and i just looked quick last season at oklahoma state there's only one player not named Cade cunningham that shot over 33 percent from three that was isaac likely the rockets currently have eight players above that mark so even his facilitating numbers are going to go up despite having a great freshman year for the cowboys so i'm very happy with that pick for our franchise yeah i think that goes to show just the difference of skill level from the current NBA to the current like college game in some situations. Houston is by far the worst team in the NBA right now. Like it's just not even close in many respects. And they still have drastically more offensive skill and spacing than what this Oklahoma State team had. And Cade is one of those guys that's gonna fit kind of across the board. I, I do wanna note that for Houston, Houston loses this pick if it doesn't fall in the top four. They currently have a 52% chance to keep their pick in the top four. I mean, 
it's hard to overemphasize how big of a disaster it would be for Houston to lose this pick. Yeah, I don't think they'd be psyched if they fell outside the top four. This this is literally winning the lottery by going first and a guy that can be a franchise changer. So to not get their hopes up too much and we'll have our fingers crossed that they're they're not uh, outside that top four or five and regretting all their past decisions. Okay, so I, I have the fun thing where the draft starts. Um, and by the way, this is what we would do. This is not us trying to predict shit. This is not us trying to like, oh my God, what is what is Troy Weaver going to do here at number two? Uh, getting inside the mind of Troy Weaver hasn't really worked for anyone so far because it feels like he has a totally different way of going about evaluating prospects that in the past draft was very successful with Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey. So I'm not uh, taking shots here. I'm just saying he has a very uh, unique process that he seems to go about undertaking. So at number two, with the Detroit Pistons, I am going to take Jalen Suggs. And the reason that I'm going to take Jalen Suggs is that I think his mix of like explosiveness, power athleticism, and ability to play both on and off the ball kind of actually does fit pretty well with Killian Hayes in the backcourt. Additionally, I do have Jalen Suggs at number two on my board. Uh, I think that those two, assuming that Suggs is shooting, is pretty real, which I think that for the most part, he's going to be fine as a shooter. Um, I think he's going to keep working and keep getting to that point. I think you add his ability to live in the paint coming out of ball screens. It's really going to help Detroit's offense just kind of break down defenders in a way that uh, obviously they just don't really have anyone to do right now. And you'll have the double playmaking ability with him and, and Killian Hayes if you believe they can play alongside each other, which I do as well. And I like also the defensive presence he brings. And like you said, Troy Weaver has a unique style and has, has changed the culture in Detroit and continues to do so. Had a good draft with guys like you mentioned, Isaiah Stewart and Seek Bay. So a very good piece to build on what they already have there too. Okay. Number three, you are up with uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who, by the way, since I sent you the order, have fallen like all the way down to like six in this order because <laughs> well, they keep winning games. Your, yeah, it's usually in your nature to then like switch it on the fly and say, all right, Minnesota's going to be six. You're drafting for Oklahoma City for three. Nah. Like, I, I haven't prepped this for hours, but yeah, I'll do nah, it. I'm not, not going to screw you like that. Let, let's go. Minnesota, number three. So this is good for the Timberwolves. This necessarily wouldn't be my pick, but I would say for Minnesota, I, I think it could make the most sense. And I'm going to go with Evan Mobley, power forward center out of USC. If you believe in his versatility on both ends of the floor and by the shooting, that means to me he can play the four and can play with Carl Towns. You have Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, even Jade McDaniels. I don't, I don't know what the, the injury deal is with Malik Beasley and what that looks like going forward. But like he's a nice piece to complement what you already have there. And, and worst case here is this contingency plan. You have the best big and one of the best prospects in the draft. I think his shooting's going to get there. The defense will definitely help alongside Carl Anthony Towns. I think Minnesota would be pretty happy if somehow Mobley slides down to them there. So we... <sighs> We like sort of kind of broached this like quickly uh, yesterday, and I texted you that I just still haven't wrapped my head around Minnesota potentially getting Evan Mobley and pairing him with Carl Towns. I'd go a different direction if I was them, but at the same token, like I get it. Like I think that Mobley is versatile and mobile enough to where it could work. I think it would work on 
offense reasonably well if Mobley can actually shoot it. I I'm still just not there in terms of trying to navigate the way that that would work. I, I think I would just like take a perimeter player and yeah, hope that Carl I, I wasn't. Stays. I, I wasn't a- I wasn't 100% there either, but uh, I'm guessing, not a spoiler here, who your next pick, next pick is going to be is a little bit too much of the, the Anthony Edwards kind of like archetype, and I'd want like a, a different look, albeit maybe in the front court. That was kind of my reasoning behind it. Yeah, and honestly, I kind of get it. Uh, it. It's It becomes a complicated pick for Minnesota if that ends up being the case. So here we are, we're at... Uh, we're, we're at number four with Oklahoma City, and I am going to take Jalen Green here. I think that Green's ability to just be explosive and be just a high-level scorer would mesh really, really well with kind of Shea Gilgis-Alexander's poise and creativity uh, off the handle. Like, it's hard to imagine two different backcourt players who are like 20-point-per-game scorers. You know, like Jalen Green just lives in the paint because he's a straight line driver with an unreal first step and with incredible explosive leaping ability. Shea Gilgis Alexander like has to set you up with just an incredible handle, uses his patience, uses his poise, and then just uses those long limbs to extend and finish uh, around the basket and to extend and kind of just cover ground quickly. So that, that would be a fascinating pairing. You'd obviously end up with, uh, you know, Lou Dort kind of in the in the backcourt. They've been comfortable over the years kind of playing three guards uh, in the backcourt in a way that works for me. I would hope that that would end the uh, experiment that has been Poku at the three. Uh, it's a lot of experiments, did, yeah. <laughs> did, did you see their starting lineup last night, by the way? I did not. It is. It was incredible. It was uh, Teo Maladon, Darius Baisley at the two. Mm-hmm. Poku at the three, Isaiah Roby at the four, and then Moses Brown at the five. They were basically playing the like three fours and a five starting lineup last night. Yeah, I mean, just sit in a two three zone and, and put your arms out and do the Syracuse thing and have the longest wingspan on the court. I mean, that, that works sometimes. <laughs> it, it was for, uh, it was bizarre for Jalen Green. I, I I do think that this feels like the right place too, where he can play through his mistakes. Yeah. has a younger head coach, great development system, and I become more of a, a Jalen Green fan and believer since the G League Ignite. When you gather feedback from people around that program. Everything comes back that he wants to work, improve, yep. he wants constructive criticism. And Brian Shaw even said that he does have that it factor that he wants to be the best player in the draft. So he has had that level of growth since declaring and doing that as opposed to going to college for a year. Yeah, and I, I want to mention with Jalen Green too, like Jalen Green kind of sits comfortably at number four. It feels like every time we do something like this, like I think Jalen Green is firmly in the mix to go number two. Like absolutely unequivocally could go number two if the right person gets the number two overall pick yeah i co-sign that too right and he does he does have as much upside as these other guys right in front of him too and it, it is probably neck and neck for two through five i don't, I don't want to say one is a, a definite but it, it's probably close at this point yeah I, I would say there's a pretty clear like two through four group for me even at this point uh and we're gonna we're gonna go number five here uh and you're gonna select 
who I believe you're going to select here for uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So go ahead. It is Jonathan Kaminga from the G League Unite. Yeah, yeah. This, I, I thought you were going to do the move like, and he'll have for dinner the chicken Caesar salad. It's like, yes, I, I did want that. <laughs> uh, with, with Kaminga, you do have this two-way scorer defender, has to shore up some defensive principles, but he has that build frame to make it work, play next to Isaac Okoro, can create his own offense off of broken plays and secondary looks while – you have guys like Colin Sexton and Derek Garland who can be ball dominant. Ironically, also one of my notes I put, he's probably in that second tier of elite prospects right now with the separator being his jump shot. If his jump shot comes around, we could look back in a few years and say we should have believed in the development. But if not, it's a, a very safe pick for me at number five. So I, I actually think that there is some more downside with Kaminga the more that I watched the Ignite tape. He doesn't quite have that first step that I quite thought he had. Like, he's not a wild athlete. He's a good athlete. He's, like, not like a – and he plays super hard all the time. But he's not like Jalen Brown out there. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. And and that was, like, a tag he had had gotten probably prior to playing a junior game is that was the, the best NBA comp fit comparison. Yeah, and he's not that athletically. Like, you even go back to the Cal tape where – Cal's court was hilariously condensed and it was miserable to watch Jalen Brown play at Cal. Like, oh my God, that was one of the worst experiences uh, I feel like a prospect could have possibly had from an on-court perspective. Like, you go back and you look at who Jalen Brown played with. It was Ty Wallace, who was like a sub-30% shooter. It was Ivan Rab who Ivan Rab, yeah, didn't a big, shoot. Big time recruit, though. right? Yeah. Um, they started Kingsley Akoro at center. He was like a seven foot one kid, um, and then they played Jordan Matthews as like their you know floor spacer that they occasionally used to shoot threes, uh, and then they had Jabari Bird on that roster as well, and it was just a mess. Like the offense was all over the place and he never had a single driving lane like never his handle wasn't as good as it is now so like he didn't really know how to navigate those tight spaces but holy shit like he he never had a driving lane but you could still see the crazy explosiveness and pop and everything in his game that it was there it just didn't translate to the tape like i still had jalen brown at number five i think if i remember correctly on my board uh because like the numbers weren't there to do that, but the tape was fine. Like he had a 52 true shooting percentage. He had a 29 three point percentage, 65 from the line, 15 assist rate versus 21 turnover rate. Like wasn't overly uh, blocks and steals heavy. Like wasn't even in the top 500 nationally in either of those numbers. But you just kind of looked at the tape and you were like, okay, I can see how this works with NBA spacing. With Kaminga, like, Kaminga already has the NBA spacing with the G League Ignite, at least, like, on some level. And it, like, the pop just wasn't there athletically in the same way it was with Jalen Brown. No, and Kaminga did have 15 games, so I don't have the the Jalen Brown rookie numbers in front of me, but I'm guessing it took him a little bit longer than that to get going when, when he first got to Boston, and obviously he's adjusted and really transformed his game. And you could say he has like a little bit less pop, but his shot from three is significantly better. Uh, I'm not writing off Kaminga yet, but I agree. There there are some, I don't want to say red flags, but a little bit of warning signs that you have to dig through and, and make sure you're okay with the shortcomings, but knowing that he's going to be able to give you other stuff and 
finish on the glass and and have second play opportunities and defend a little bit, take some charges, block shots from, I'd say even at the small ball five a little bit if you need to. And he plays super hard. Like you're never gonna have to worry about him like not playing hard. You are gonna have to worry about him making like the right decisions defensively and like making the right rotations. But we'll we'll see how it goes. By the way. I'm pretty sure I just jinxed Jalen Brown, like in the middle of talking, like going on a side tangent about Jalen. <laughs> Why are they, are they on like right now? You just airball the three or something? Uh, no, the Celtics say All Star Jalen Brown has been diagnosed with a torn ligament in his left wrist and is out for the remainder of the season. Sam, this is this is what we do, right? Like this is it was written. <laughs> like this was <laughs> we jinx everybody. So it's it's good. He just went on this glowing review, and then you know here comes the anvil. Well, actually, he's out for the year. So yeah, Kaminga, great. Love my five. Yeah, uh, as a Celtics fan, Penny, do, do you want to do you want to have some sadness about the Celtics because that that basically does end the season for the Celtics? I feel like I mean, it was it was sadness, but now this is like uh, I don't know melancholy and the infinite sadness. We're going smashing pumpkins here. I, I don't know how much deeper <laughs> you can really get. We're we're down there right now. Yeah, they're a mess. They're an absolute a lot, lot of Aaron Naismith minutes, I guess, he, and he's been playing better. Let's take some positives out of it. <laughs> Okay, more, more so, taco doing euro steps yeah okay orlando we're back six. how about that possession where taco like blocked six <laughs> shots in a row that was fun okay number six the orlando magic this was by far the hardest thing that like, i i have i still don't really know that i've gotten this pick right uh if they they really need to end up like with a top four pick and get one of these perimeter players, <laughs> yes they do. Yeah, because there's no way they can draft Scotty Barnes. Like, just no. You please, for the love of God, don't draft Scotty Barnes. You already have Jonathan Isaac. You already have Chumo Kiki. Like, you already have Mobamba on the roster. You already have Wendell Carter. Like, you have all of these like three four hybrids. Like, please in these fives. Like, please don't draft Scotty Barnes. Um. Davion Mitchell, I'm a bit hesitant on because they just drafted Cole Anthony. Now, I think that Mitchell and Cole Anthony actually be like a pretty interesting combination, but they also have Markel Fultz there. So, like, I think that they really like Markel and want to see what he looks like coming back. And Markel had like kind of established himself as, you know, a bottom, you know, bottom 10% starting point guard in the NBA, but still a starting point guard in the NBA. Yeah. <sighs> I'm, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I love the I love the pause because I also have my list of guys here, and I'm like feverishly preparing for the next pick, and I'm like about to cross them off my sharpie, and then you circle back to another hesitation. So I, I'm at the edge of my seat here. So I, I did the draft guide for James Booknight yesterday, and I came away more impressed with his tape than I thought I would. He actually is just like an unbelievable ISO creator. Uh, I actually think he's just going to create his own shot just straight up the nba level um absorbs and finishes through contact as a driver i think at some point he's going to shoot it he doesn't shoot it really all that well right now but do you know how many unguarded shots off the catch james Booknight took last year <laughs> close to single digit everything was cont- oh no it, it was single digits it was nine. Oh wow okay. like <laughs> i was making a bad joke but yeah no, so he's he- the pick so six you're going you're going book night so i gotta get my sharpie fired up yeah and for my uh okay i don't feel I, I would say that this is the range where we start to get into a circumstance where james book night could realistically go anywhere from like six to fifteen on draft night and this might look really fucking dumb in a month 
where <laughs> like yeah he goes 21st yeah yeah and it's just like what are we doing here um but his game i think offensively is tailor-made to translating to getting his own shot at the nba level the problem is that like he's not anthony edwards athletically like he has aspects of like zach levine and that he has that like hang time floating ability but he's not levine explosive you know what i mean like that to me levine's the closest thing but he's just not that level of athlete um, no, and we and we've said Levine is probably closer to a guy like Jalen Green, and Booker right. also doesn't have the the size and power of Anthony Edwards that can bail him out at times, where he has to hit a bump, embrace it, finish through contact. Book Knight still part of his problem was falling over and, and getting hit with a, a forearm or going around screens, and and he'll fight it defensively. He'll try to get yeah, around, he and, will. and recover, and and offensively he's still going to attack. It's just. Is he able to open up the game even more for himself with an improved three-point shot and, and taking better quality shots too, like you said, and yep. taking more than nine that are that are open in the openness of the NBA game and court and spacing? He's going to be able to do that just naturally too. Yeah, so I, I'm going to make what might be a bad pick with James Booknight, but I, I'm going to happily take him because of the offensive ability. And by the way, Orlando just continues to need like offense in a very real way. So that that's where I'm prioritizing things. Okay. Toronto at number seven, you go. Yeah, we're, we're, we're moving on. Uh, so I did, this could have been in your, your last mock draft too. And Toronto with Lowry probably heading out of town. You need a backcourt mate to Fred Van Vliet and probably Gary Trent Jr. You made a good point in your guide about the Raptors having a liking for older players, Pascal Siakam, Malachi Flynn. So I'm going to go with one of the biggest stock boosters in the tournament. I know it's early, but I think he fits in Davion Mitchell from Baylor. Hard-nosed, bulldog of a guard. He shot 44% from three, which seems like scouts and people are poking holes in a little bit because it was for one season. And the previous years, the sample, he didn't shoot as well as he had in the past. That being said, I I do love my pick and roll. He has that extra gear when changing speeds. I want him on the floor to end the game, and he can make momentum-shifting plays defensively. So despite his age, I feel like it's a pretty safe pick for Toronto at 7 and and what they already have around him, too. So, yeah, this was my pick in the mock. There is a fit here that I love for Toronto that I just want to point out. Um, I don't know if they would go down this road, but if I was Toronto, I think I would take Scotty Barnes because think about the way that that front court would work. You could roll out like an awesome, super athletic, switchable front court of Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, and then you could have Fred Van Vliet who like fights his ass off and everything defensively. Um, I really like the idea of just like leaning into just being this crazy defensive team because you have all of the pieces there and Davion does that too. But I, I, for some reason, like, I feel like Toronto is like a perfect landing spot for Scotty Barnes because the other part of it is like offensively, the way that you have to unlock Scotty is you need to have a guy who can be like a pull-up shooter, like Fred can be, who can drag defenders toward him and then create that like open short roll area for Scotty. And then Scotty can hit like OG Ananobi in the corner, or you can hit like uh, Pascal Siakam, like cutting from the other corner into like dunker spot. Like there's just a, that's my, that's one of my favorite fits that I've been conceptualizing in my brain over the course of the last little while. But I, I like Davion there too, because I think that, He's super tough. He's physical. Like he would fit a lot of what they look for in terms of 
just players there. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Totally. He he was one of my three or four names I had, but I just with with free agency it's it's easier to load up and, and know you're getting somebody there rather than chasing a vet and hoping that they'll take the money despite offering more than they're probably worth too. Yeah. Um okay. We are up at number eight. Number eight for me is Orlando again. I got both of the Orlando We're picks. Back. Yeah. <laughs> uh this one I'm gonna go Moses Moody. Oh okay. And the reason I'm gonna go Moody here is because I think that they could use like a three and D wing. They have Chuma Okiki, but I see Okiki as more of like a three four hybrid as opposed to just like a true wing. I think they could use like a true shot making wing who can defend multiple spots. And that's what Moody is. Like Moody is going to make tough shots. He's not the most like crazy athletic dude in the world, but I do think he's going to come out here. He's going to knock down shots at a reasonable clip. And if not like a high level clip by the time he's 22, right? Like I I think that he has every potential to be a 40% three point shooter by the time he's 23, 22. Um, and then he's switchable defensively as a seven foot one wingspan and six foot six. Uh, can handle the ball with a little bit more tightness than what I think he gets credit for. Like can create his own shot a little bit better. So I'm going Moody at eight. So that would be uh, Orlando coming away with Book Knight and Moody, which kind of revamps their overall position in terms of the guard spot and the wing spot. And have RJ Hampton too. So you're yeah, kind totally. of up with all these younger. 19-ish-year-old guys, 19, 20 years old that yeah, can play fast. Yeah, and Cole Anthony and, as well. Yep, and yeah, Markel Fultz. Yeah. And, like and it, those guys, it, yeah. Yeah. Being lead it, guards, yeah. But like, I, I feel like with Cole and with Markel and with RJ, it really helps to kind of load up on shooting. Again, like I kind of buy book night shooting. I think that his percentages are more a result of he took he took just like miserably difficult shots as opposed to him just flat out not being able to shoot at all like you look at the free throw percentages it's like 82 78 both of those two years um he has real touch like he has the floater game he has the touch around the basket part of this for orlando is me buying the translation of book night shot um and then obviously buying the translation of moody's shot i I think that that's what they need as much as anything so um yeah i'm i'm kind of revamping the wing in orlando is my goal all right good good step there good step with with two guys i'm nine the sacramento kings i had james book knight here who you've stolen from me which is fine so i'm I'm gonna take another shooting guard here if he slips i think they'd be pretty pleased i'm gonna go with keon johnson from tennessee yeah Uh, they hit a home run last draft i would say with tyrese halliburton you have both him and De'Aaron Fox that could use probably a big or a swing man. Keon has a lot of still untapped, unlocked stuff. The athleticism is there. The the pop is there. When he was kind of allowed to run free more in Tennessee's offense, he was able to create a little bit, play some off the ball and away, and cutting back door and elevating in the lane. So I'm intrigued by him because he was a late blooming kid in high school hasn't really had the the highest level of stuff leading up to being Tennessee. So I'd also argue that the spotlight and the highest level of basketball was still semi-new despite him playing USA basketball. So I, I'm also just a believer that he's going to find a way to fi- figure it out at the very least with the athletic gifts and tools that he has. And if the jumper comes, then it's a, maybe it's a home run again, part two from last year's draft. Yeah, if the jumper comes for Keon, I mean, just an unreal player i think but I, i'm not 
I, I think the jumper is going to take a lot of work. I, I don't want to like just flat out like throw it away because I think that he'll work at it. And like everything I've been told is just like elite level character kid, like going to have no problems wanting to get in the gym and keep improving something. But I, I to me, like that jumper is almost like you have to rewrite it from the ground up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and we can start over and not that you had to completely rework Halliburton's, but you could argue too that he had, I, I know, albeit he, he shot a much higher percentage, but people were knocking. Is he going to be able to shoot it with like that little hitch and, and set shot? And he has, he's been really good. So maybe it's a, it's a few tweaks and some confidence stuff and that'll be uh, enough of a fix to keep it. <sighs> Defense is honest where they have to, to cover him and not give him plenty of space and, and dare him to, to shoot. Okay, so at number 10, I'm going to go with one just out of the mock. I'm going to go Josh Giddy here at number 10 uh, to the New Orleans Pelicans. I think they could use another wing who is unselfish, who I think at some point will shoot, and who I think can be like a secondary ball handler for them. It took Kyra last year. He looks like their point guard of the future. They have another guy in Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who I think is going to be a starter in the NBA still. Uh, everything we've seen from him this year, especially uh, prior to his injury that made him miss a month kind of made me think that he's going to be just fine long term and he's going to be a really high level fit with the zion williamson brandon ingram core and then look like i could take someone like kai jones here who has potential to be a floor spacing big which is exactly what they need but like i don't really want to use another roster spot on the big position when they just took Jackson Hayes a year and a half ago. And then they also gave Steven Adams a couple of years of an extension. So I am going to go with Josh Giddy here because I think that his ball movement, his versatility, uh, his potential to shoot it, his unselfishness, uh, his willingness to get up and play in transition too. I think that it just kind of fits with what this roster uh, kind of looks like now, you know, Josh is not a great defender right now, and I think they're going to need to continue to focus on that end of the court. Uh, I know that Pelicans fans have been like, "Look, they've been a much better defense over the course of the last month." And kind of, I think that's a little bit of fool's gold, personally, because they've played a terrible schedule. But we'll see. I'm willing to at least like acknowledge that they've been better. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Josh and uh, hope that the idea of Josh being an 18-year-old, incredibly effective player in the NBL right now uh, is going to translate to him being really good by the time he's 21 in the NBA. So I don't want to say writing him off, but then how does Lonzo Ball kind of fit in that equation? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think that they could probably play together. Like, I would be fascinated to see a lineup at long, like long-term of... Kyra Lewis, Lonzo Ball, Josh Giddy, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. Like I think that that of, is yeah, a lot of fast break weapons. Be a lot of a lot of highlights. I think and a lot of ball movement. Like you could throw Nikhil Alexander Walker in for Lonzo. You could throw Nikhil in for Kyra Lewis, and you'd probably still have enough ball movement and shooting and versatility if Giddy's shot translates. I think that that's the big thing with Josh. Like you have to hope that the shot translates. I also like considered a couple of the older floor spacers here, just in general. Like just take a. Corey Kispert take a Chris Duarte right but yeah I don't know like it feels like someone younger kind of matches up with their age timeline a little bit more to me than taking like one of these older guys that I think could contribute uh quicker to things yeah I get that uh, I'm there with you okay before we get to number 11 let's take a quick commercial break 
Okay, and we're back. Penny, you are up at number eleven with the Indiana Pacers. Who uh, did you did you by chance get to see the uh, the Goga Batadze Greg Foster moment? I did. Yeah, it what was a, replayed uh, many times on the interwebs. I did see it. What a, uh, what a everything about that was so enjoyable to me. Like, <laughs> not as enjoyable as the Rangers hockey fight where they dropped the puck and like then they dropped the gloves. That was the yeah. next step. Yeah, look, I, I'm I'm out on the Tom Wilson experience. I've been a Penguins fan my entire <laughs> life. I, I don't yeah. need Tom Wilson in my life. Um, but the Batadze Foster thing is hilarious because Batadze chooses to make a business business decision to not go up and try and contest a dunk, and then he comes down, makes a three, tells Greg Foster to sit the fuck down, and then Greg Foster like just starts screaming at him. I mean, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> is it just like the pressure? Do we think of the Indiana situation being a total mess? Like, where? How do you even react to that? I feel like. There's a there's a few NBA situations I would say are, are similar. It's just it's boiling all over. It's bubbling over at this point of the year. Oh, I'm sure that there are, but like none of them are boiling over and bubbling over in in a, public. Yeah, a public yeah. timeout situation. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> where where you're breaking up a match and it turns into who you think would have won the fight if it happened. And by the and way, talking, it's like it's like there's there, there's guys who are pro wrestlers from that country. Like it it would be a it would be a battle. I don't I don't think it would be a a one-sided thing i think it would be yeah. a real battle between the two yeah like this is like greg foster is a scary man who i would want absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with if listening we are scared of you do not yeah don't yeah follow up. uh that dude does not back down from anyone like there are clips out there of like him like not backing down from shaquille o'neal so look I- i'm willing to totally say that greg foster absolutely can win that fight but I- i'm just saying that i think that people were underestimating uh the eastern block a little bit in oh, terms yeah. of you, you these can't dudes who come yeah. over from there right. Right. <laughs> like oh man i would not uh i would not i would not rule out gogo winning that for sure i would say uh let's uh oh. let's go to the indiana pacers draft pick though who would you yeah. cooler heads prevailed and then we'll hear with the 11th pick we're gonna go with franz wagner from okay. michigan they could use, uh, I'd argue, a more defensive-minded guy. With they have T.J. Warren and Karis LeVert as these wing score creators. To me, Wagner is one of the the highest floor players in the draft, and I'm going to block out that that final game in the NCAA tournament. He sure. more than held his own versus Scotty Barnes, and that was kind of a question. Like athletically, would he be able to cover a, a bigger guy with an NBA type frame and wingspan? And he did. He can score on his own. He's great making plays out of pick and roll. He's a pretty fluid defender. I don't think he's going to make a ton of mistakes out there. He's not going to hurt you. In worst case, I do see him as a, a good rotational piece where he fits in with other guys who are scorers and he doesn't have to have the ball every play. Yeah, I dig that. I actually like that one quite a bit. Um, number 12 is the Washington Wizards. And this one was one I didn't really know what to do with because Daniel Gafford like looks very useful for them right now as like a potential long-term option at center. I've been kind of assuming that they would fill that need at some point, but like they've gotten, they're they're like the poster child for you can find bigs randomly on the market. Like Robin Lopez and Daniel Gafford have provided more than adequate production at the center position for the Washington Wizards this year. So with the Wizards, I am deciding to go with, oh man, this is a tough one. I'm going to go with, 
Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't like this. This is where the draft gets tough because, like, I was kind of, I was kind of hoping that Franz would be there because I know that, like, Tommy Shepard loves the, uh, the like European Wagner's. scouting system yeah. and obviously loves the Wagner's too. Yeah, man, you kind of, you kind of stole my thunder here, Penny. This is this is why teams get five minutes uh, on the draft on draft night. Man, oh. TikTok. This is great. The good thing is you, you have the thing where it'll, it'll shrink the space, so it's going to seem like you're thinking very long, but it won't. It won't come off that long. Yeah, but I've spent the whole time talking, so I don't know that I can't <laughs> truncate silence here. Um, okay, I am going to go. I'm going to go Jaden Springer here. Ooh, big jump. Okay, and I don't know that I love it, but part of this is me assuming that at some point the Bradley Beal thing is going to get worked out. And you just kind of look at this roster right now. They don't really have like a crazy amount of high upside, long term perimeter players. In large part because they have had they have guys like Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. My question is, what happens if Bradley Beal finally goes to them this summer and is like, "Look, we finished ninth or tenth in the Eastern Conference. I think I'm ready for a change." Like. You know, let's look into a deal. I think that they would probably acquiesce there because he only has one guaranteed year left, I think, after this one. Might have two. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Even so, like moving Bradley Beal, this moving Bradley Beal now is the right time to move Bradley Beal, not later. Uh, And if you look behind Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, they, I mean, they just don't have much in the terms of young perimeter creators. Like Garrison Matthews is 24, and like I don't think anyone thinks he's the long term answer. Um, Chandler Hutchison uh, has, by the way, like kind of shown some like you know interesting signs. Maybe is the way to put it uh, since being acquired from the Bulls, which is good. And then. Cassius Winston, uh, you know, is 22 years old and maybe can figure some things out. But again, like I think Cassius profiles best as like a high level backup guard. Getting someone who's like a higher upside player there, younger, they can develop him in Jaden Springer. I mean, look, like I don't love the pick, but it, it's one that makes sense. Like th- this would be like tailor made for like a trade down for me. But yeah, Jaden Springer works. <laughs> this is a pick. You said that for like your last last three. It shows our excitement for. Uh after five but like we learned last year there's always going to be somebody like there's going to be somebody there we're going to find them i actually liked last year's depth like this year i'm less excited about the depth last year i was like sorting between like 10 different options and i will say like i think now we're past the point where like i'm uncomfortable with who i have to take you know what i mean yeah sure okay you are up at yeah you're up at number 13 with the spurs I'm 13, San Antonio Spurs. Might be a, a little bit of a reach here, but he fits what they want to do offensively. I'm going to go with Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. Okay, give me give me a, give me me a pitch here. Okay. They could use a floor spacer, I would argue, next to their younger guys like Keldon Johnson and Lonnie Walker. He did take his lumps defensively in the NCAA tournament, but I'm a believer that his strengths can be maximized in the NBA as a, a movement shooter that when the ball is swung to him, finds him in transition, he's going to create chances to score. Despite the numbers taking also a little dip toward the end of the year, still shot 53% from the field, 44% from three, and 88% from the free throw line he can come in and shooting is just such a a skill that is sought out and i saw a report today that somebody sent me that 
Duncan Robinson could get upwards of $20 million in, in offers for the next deal. So if I can get him locked in a, a movement-type shooter at, at 13, I'd be pretty satisfied. Yeah, I dig that one. That one's really good. Uh, okay, I'm up at 14 with the Memphis Grizzlies. This is another like weird spot, I think. Uh, they tend to take guys with high upside or guys that they think will just be able to play immediately. Like They're very comfortable taking guys like Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, like super smart, high IQ players, or guys that just have like ridiculous high-level upside. I'm going to go with the l- former here. I am going to take... Yeah, I'm just going to do this. Uh, I- I'm going to take Chris Duarte here. Uh, oh, break my heart. Yeah, I had him about 19 or so, but I'm not uh, I'm not totally shocked. Yeah, I think Chris Duarte is a stud. He fits everything that this team looks for. And uh, oh, by the way, uh, this team has been like sneaky, kind of weird in terms of its backcourt rotations for the last little while. And like you can look at it as they're dealing with some injuries here and there, like Grayson Allen's been out. But you know, they have Dylan Brooks, they have Desmond Bain, and then behind them, you know, you obviously have D'Anthony Melton, who's been terrific, but like John Concher is getting like pretty real minutes, and I know that there is a real John Concher hive out there, but I feel like if you could upgrade <laughs> on Concher, like that's a real win for you as a team, uh, and maybe someone would look at Crystal Duarte as being just like another version of Grayson Allen. But yeah, I don't. I think Duarte is a super high level team defender. And those are things that the Memphis Grizzlies really look for. Uh, he is obviously just a ridiculous shooter. I think if you pair John Morant and Jaron Jackson uh, with guys like Desmond Bain and Crystal Duarte, who are both just going to be 40% three-point shooters for the next five years of their lives, for sure. Plus, probably beyond five years. Like, that's going to be a really good fit. And then on top of it, Duarte has the ability, I think, to stay in front of ones in a way that Bain doesn't necessarily always have. Uh, defensively, I mean, which would allow you even more positional flexibility and versatility in the way that you defend with John Morant. Like, you might be able to slide him off the ball a little bit more regularly and kind of allow him to take some offensive breaks. You know what I mean? Or defensive breaks uh, to concern for offense. And the age isn't as big as an issue. I, I forget what team you were mentioning earlier where you don't really have to worry about him kind of being the the elder statesman with a bunch of younger guys while they do have a younger group he can kind of slide in you're not worried necessarily about how long his development is going to take or when he's going to reach his ceiling because he can slide in like you said even defend hit some up with jumpers and, and we've harped on here forever at worst he's a third guard and a rotational guy and I, I like the pieces around him where he won't necessarily have to do everything on his own either yeah totally okay um Let's go number 15. Now that we're out of the lottery, we might go a little bit faster here. Let's go Charlotte, number 15. Yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised by this this slide because I, I had a different guy slotted here. But the question for me a little bit is who can run with LaMelo Ball. And I'm going to go with Scotty Barnes. Oh, God, I forgot Scotty Barnes was there. <laughs> well, we are happy to have him in Charlotte. Uh, I, I know that he's going to be able to create in the half court, but at the same time, he can run the wing a little bit with LaMelo. 
his offense wasn't always uh, the best when he tried to be a point guard, but I like him running little sets out of the mid post. He's versatile enough defensively. He can switch. He can take the ball off the rim, advance it to Lamelo. He can throw an underhand full court alley pass that that shouldn't happen. I think his intensity and and the way he kind of prepares for games and opponents could really mesh well with what they're trying to accomplish there. Yeah, and you know. I mentioned like I forgot Scotty Barnes was there and the reason that like I'm surprised he's there was and I think that this shows how tough it is to find his floor as a draft prospect I'd be surprised if he went this low in fact I don't really think he will but for instance like I really like Scotty Barnes I have him as my number six player and that's like in a vacuum but then you look at just the teams that are selecting right at number six I had Orlando number eight I had Orlando he like they can't draft him like i mentioned earlier number 10 i have new orleans like he can't play with brandon ingram and zion williamson i don't think like you don't want that uh washington has just drafted denny avdia and rui achimura in back-to-back drafts so he doesn't fit there and then memphis like yeah you could make a somewhat reasonable case but like i mean they already have a pretty loaded like front court in a lot of ways and like they have Jonas valanciunas for another year they have um you know jaron jackson they have xavier tillman like they're pretty set like maybe they could take another one of those like high level high q um young players and honestly like maybe maybe i should have just taken scotty at 14 but i don't know like this memphis team feels like it's ready to play now so it's 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 interesting. Scotty's in a weird spot. I think that me having the picks that I have, like I would have loved to have taken Scotty, but it shows just how difficult it can be to fit someone like Scotty into a specific scheme given his weaknesses of his game, which uh, I'm sure that you're going to talk about now. <laughs> I'm not. I was going <laughs> to. My point was going to be that they needed Charlotte probably needs to, a front court free agent. Uh, just because of the Cody Zeller thing. So I kind of had Usman Garuba. I had Kai Jones for Scotty to to slide to this spot. It's a, even a, a talent upgrade over those guys. So I, I think they'd be thrilled. I don't think he's going to slide on this, but my greater point is that this really shows you the difference between big boards and mock drafts because you might personally yeah. have him six, but like you outlined, just if it doesn't fit, he might end up at, at 15. That just might be the way that things slide on draft night. So, okay, we're up with the Boston Celtics at 16. This is definitely going to be a big man. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Alper and Sengun. Ooh, and that's a bit of a like. Maybe I don't even know that it's a reach or a surprise or anything, but it's a it's a different pick. I feel like than what. Like I, I would decide between Kai Jones, Usman Garuba, and Alper and Sengun. The reason that I like Sengun is that his hands, his dexterity, and ball screens. Uh, I've talked to people who think he's really going to shoot it at a high level at some point. I think all of that stuff really meshes with what Boston's looking for. And I think it particularly meshes with Robert Williams as like kind of a combination big inside. Like they desperately need uh, more depth in their front court. The Tristan Thompson signing just straight up did not work. Uh, Obviously, they've moved Daniel Tice to Chicago in a deal that, like, frankly, didn't really help them all that much like they really needed Tice at this point uh with Robert Williams kind of being in and out of the lineup here and there uh and frankly like I just don't know how much we can trust Robert Williams to stay healthy at this point and we're firmly in the middle of the Jason Tatum Jalen Brown contention window if you're the Boston Celtics like they're young they're still 
under 25, but they're going to have to make a decision on free agency before they're going to hit their like late 20s. So the Celtics need to prove that they can contend now. And I think that Sangoon, uh, just given his overall offensive skill, like his upside is a offensive creator i think it's just real uh you know uzman garuba is absolutely a real option here kai jones i think is more of a project uh, I, I would prefer him to land in something in more of a space that would you know work for him as a project but uh yeah i'm going sangoon at 16 yeah my notes were could use everything you know aside from wings and it was just like you throwing darts at me with every like dice is gone this guy's okay I like the the fit because it's it's a little bit of a different look than what they have with Robert Williams. I think Usman Garuba could could be one of those kind of like energy guys, defensive guys that that Danny Ainge has covered in the past too, or yeah. a big guard. But Giddy went early and Cade Cunningham went first. So this is if this is where we're at right now. I I get the uh, I get the pick there. Okay, so uh, number seventeen is going to be the Golden State Warriors. Oof. All right. Golden State Warriors. Hmm. I have like two here. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I I do believe they need another offensive creator. I mean, despite the the year that that Steph Curry has had, which is yeah. incredible. I, I do think that this is a crazy thing to say. Like he needs more help, kind of like pulling guys away from him. If we're getting an off the bench score that can fill it up, this might be a little bit high. But I'm gonna go with Cam Thomas here. Okay, I mean, I'm. I, I think that's like a fine pick. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't want to do the hedge of this is like the mock draft versus the big board because I think well, it's a little bit lower lower than most. Yeah, it fills a need for them like pretty desperately. Like they need someone who can get offense off the bench, and, and that's what he can. He averaged twenty three points per game at LSU. Had a great offensive season. There were some efficiency issues down the stretch, but you get into a veteran locker room and you can learn the tricks of the trade from guys like like Steph Curry. Hopefully that can kind of shape his game a little bit more than the freewheeling style he had with a, a lot of room to make mistakes because they needed him to score at LSU so bad. Uh, so w- with him there, it's kind of a, a best available scoring-ish guy that could plug and play some. Okay, number 18. This is actually a really tough one, too, because Atlanta, obviously pretty good at the big position, given that they have John Collins and Clint Capella. Uh, I frankly think like they could maybe even take another one. Uh, have a ton of wings, just with what they've done in the draft over the last few years, and then you know, have Trey Young on the roster. So... <sighs> I I really had Cam Thomas like kind of slotted there. I didn't think there was mm, any way sorry. you were going to take Cam Thomas <laughs> like, straight up. This, this is what this is what happens. This is why, like I, I was saying before, I, I was trying to anticipate who you would take too, so my board wasn't messed up. Yeah, that's gross. That's real gross. Thanks, man. Um, I'm just going to take the best player or the highest upside player that I have available here. Uh, That's going to be the highest upside non-big, I should say. Um, And and that could change. Like if they decide to make a decision and not retain John Collins for a reason that wouldn't be great to me, like I I would keep John Collins personally. Um, If they decide not to retain John Collins, they could actually look for another big. But given that he's currently on the roster and given the fact they have restricted free agency rights to him in the offseason, I am going to go with Zaire Williams because they've had some actual success developing these young guys now uh, to where I think that because their roster is as loaded as it is, 
they can afford to take someone who's like more of a deeper bench project, stick them in College Park with the G League, let them develop. I also think this pick is like tailor-made for a potential move because they really might see themselves as being contenders now. They have enough young guys. They might want an older guy around that could help them like continue to win now but that's why the upside play works whether it's Zaire or whether it's Jalen Johnson somebody like that where you can invest a little bit at 18 you know drafted him at eight if it pans out you're you look great and if it doesn't you, you still have a really good core with guys like DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish so it's not really a miss if this is like a, a sort of swing for the fences because Zaire was really good to to start the year then battled injuries and came back it didn't totally look like himself so if he can piece back to that player from the, the preseason tournaments, then that would be a great pick at 18. Okay, number 19. You are up with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So Oklahoma City Thunder, earlier in the draft night, they took Jalen Green at four. I am going to go with kind of best available on the board here, and I'm going to go with Kai Jones. Yeah, that's a good one. So Kai, I'm a little surprised. I, I had him 11 on, on my own kind of personal big board here. He can fit well, and next to that enormous lineup of, of six, nine-plus guys, can play him next to Poku if Poku's a three, four, whatever, with, with Dort. Block shots, gets up and down, can shoot it a little bit. Still wild on, on some of the defensive rotations, but does recover. As he puts on a little bit more size, too, I think he'll protect the rim better. His, his block numbers weren't great was a fantastic flashes player at texas there was always these two to three minute stretch where he looked unbelievable if they find a way to bottle all that up with the the core of guys that they have and if you get Jalen green early in the draft that's a great one-two combo on draft night yeah I, i think that's the absolute pick here this is a team that can afford to take its time with you know big guys and uh can afford to give kai jones some real room to grow and develop like this is this is actually where i hope he ends up on draft night like ends up in oklahoma city in some regard yeah it's a good fit and uh we're rolling now you are 20 with the la lakers okay the la lakers at 20 uh very interesting one they have a lot of these bigger guys that they like to have around they like to have guys that uh can take the burden off of anthony davis as to not have to play center so i'm gonna go with usman garuba here because i think he's someone that could like just straight up help them now (laughs) like i think that if you put him like in the playoffs he could probably steal 15 minutes a night defensively playing next to anthony davis Uh, his switchability would be very real for them uh he's kind of the perfect guy where if you're crafting like a even though he's smaller because anthony davis is so good as a weak side rim protector I kind of think that Garuba could just deal with like, you know, playing center and making the right rotations and then being super switchable on the perimeter. Uh, I I would go with Garuba here at number 20. And honestly, I think he's going to go higher than this on draft night, too. So um, this ended up. I like that fit, too, though. Yeah, Yeah. because he's younger. He can be that kind of baseball middle reliever innings minutes eater right now because the it's a long season and anthony davis and lebron have battled injuries and rest and he can come in and play and, and defend and the offense is, is getting better and he's played well the last couple of weeks in euro league yep so I, I i can i can see that one okay give me give me the knicks give me some uh hot knicks i picks. got i got double knicks so we got double knicks double houston with 21st pick the knicks you can take some risks here. They went against the grain with Emmanuel quickly, and it really paid off. So I'm going to go, I'd say a little unconventional. I'm going to go with Io DeSunmu. 
Okay, give me give me the take. Give me give me why you went on. My, here, here's my Johnny Hot takes. So Twenty points, six rebounds, five assists. Shot forty nine percent from the field this past season. He's a tough guard, and I also feel like he can take Tibbs' tough coaching while he can also squeeze the most out of his energy ability for for what he is. He's kind of in a cluster of three or four guys, depending on who you take next. But I, I felt that he could be kind of like the the hard nosed defender, reel back in some of the the wild stuff he can do offensively, and then maximize his strengths. Yeah, I get that. I, I think that he's a really good fit with Tom Thibodeau. I don't know that he's a great fit with the roster necessarily. I think that RJ Barrett would have to be like a legit forty percent on high volume shooter, not like a forty percent on like three and a half attempts a game like three-point shooter you know what i mean sure yeah it's it's this is my first like i don't love it pick here but i i I just kind of tried to connect the pieces and dots and i don't in in a good sense i think the knicks have have just kind of like not paid attention to all the noise and just tried to draft the guys that they felt were best on their own personal stuff and, and not going who's really in like the 20 range they just stick to their guns and their plan okay Number 20, what were we up to? 22, I believe. 22. 22 Houston, Houston yeah. Rockets. I'm going to go Isaiah Jackson as a big defensive shot blocking big man. Uh, they don't really have that right now because, like, Christian Wood is good. Christian Wood is not a great defensive big man. Uh, Isaiah Jackson is a ridiculous weak side shot blocker, crazy athlete, uh, super athletic, uh, is a rim runner, great in transition. Uh, plays super hard, switchable defensively. Uh, just kind of a kind of ticks a lot of boxes for me. If I am the Houston Rockets, yeah, I like that. Not, I'm not mad at Houston for uh, if that's if he slides that far. I mean, there's been places that project him as high as like 10. So if, yeah. if you can get 22, and a lot of these guys, to me anyway, this is best available range wherever you can kind of maximize who the the highest level prospect on the board. And, and we've talked about him. He just didn't shoot at all he didn't shoot any threes if he's able to to figure that part of it out he could be a, a guy you're talking about in the top 15 yep okay give me uh give me 23 with the new york knicks again oh all right so I'm, I'm 23 with the knicks huh all right i this is also kind of a an unconventional but uh a free pick here as a, a, another one of my dice rolls i'm gonna go with jalen johnson from duke I was hoping you'd go with him because he's he's got a <laughs> shot to go somewhere like yeah it's gonna, it's gonna be wide with him it's gonna be eight to thirty to be honest with Jalen Johnson and if you have you have your pick at twenty one whether it's I or, or or not this is kind of like your your even if you hit one or two of these and they end up in the rotation it, it should be considered a a win didn't have the best year at Duke really only put together three strongish games I'd say had some off the court stuff he left mid-year if you study the the film from high school and believe in his offensive versatility his playmaking ability how he can rip rebounds off the rim and run and create full court and the jumper needs a few tweaks it's it's not completely broken the numbers are actually better than the shot looks if that makes sense to get a top five high school prospect who just didn't really have like the the best total package of a season here you should uh you should be applauded i, I guess you could say and, and this is also a wide range like he, he could go a lot higher like isaiah jackson there's been places that say he could go in the top 10 that's high for me at, at 23 it's a, another win though yeah i'm not a not a big jalen johnson guy but uh i never have been i had him at like 18 or 19 preseason so 
uh, you know, maybe maybe he does end up going number seven or nine or something like that. But yeah, I, I don't know that the tape kind of kind of says that that's real, and I don't think like his athleticism says that that's a thing that should happen. Uh, I, I'm going to go 24 with the Houston Rockets. I am going to take one that's just directly out of the mock draft. I'm going to take Sharif Cooper. Uh, Another guy that has a chance to go somewhere, I think, 15 to 20 pretty easily if things broke right for him on draft night. But uh, just super creative guard. Uh, you know, Houston should be taking as many high upside dice rolls as he can get. And his combination of ball handling, live dribble passing, ability to make plays happen is just so ridiculously real. The problem is that the, sh- the shooting and the defense are just very low level right now. But uh, if either of those things come around, he's probably pretty damn close to being a starting level guard yeah if the the shot ever gets there i, I hate to lean back but i, I love his, his vision out of pick and roll i love his feel offensively to know where guys are on the the court and the way he places his passes and sometimes even surprises his own teammates with how this ball get here is going to have to defend is going to have to kind of shed the label of, of being a, a smallish guard and, and be able to find ways to i don't say hide defensively but not be totally exposed in, in different actions and screens okay number 25 you are up with the denver nuggets Oof. okay 25 denver nuggets you have Jokic, you have Murray, you have Porter. I'm going to go with Trey Mann here. Okay. Give me give me a sell. Also surprised he, he slipped here. An, another kind of instant offense guy off the bench can give you a different look than the, the style pace of play that they may have with, with Jokic on the court to start the game. Did come on later in the year had a, a couple 25 plus point games as soon as i i questioned i think on a podcast his, his shooting <laughs> scoring ability uh which is like the ultimate reverse jinx so whatever we say here just bet the opposite if you're if you're going to vegas i guess wasn't the the best season with with guys around him in florida too underachieved a little bit but late bloomer kind of in a unconditional sense in that he was a mcdonald's all-american i believe and then his freshman year was okay i think he grew a little bit into his sophomore year had a much better sophomore year so a little bit of a, a buy of the stock of the trajectory that he's going to continue to improve and get better. Okay, number 26, I'm up with the Brooklyn Nets. I'm going to go Daron Sharp here. I think this is another one that just came directly from the mock draft, unfortunately. Uh, I really like the fit, though. I really like the fact that he is six foot eleven, can really pass the ball. I think that would work exceptionally well uh, in ball screens and in short roll scenarios with all of these ridiculous pull-up shooters like Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Kevin Durant. Uh, obviously, we need to learn how to play defense at a higher level. We need to learn how to move his feet, but... Uh, I really like the idea of them getting another big. And then I also think that he's kind of a perfect fit with Nick Claxton, who is still developing as well as a big, because Nick is the more athletic, mobile big man who profiles as maybe like a playoff switchable defender. Uh, you know, Daron Sharp, I think, profiles offensively is just the perfect fit, the tough offensive rebounder um, who could potentially give these guys some second chances, even though they might not need second chances as often as uh, normal teams because they're so skilled offensively. Uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of putting Daron Sharp in Brooklyn and kind of letting him develop. Yeah, that's the first pick you stole him on. I had I had Daron written on the the card. I sent it to the commissioner, so we have to change our name here for twenty seven for the LA Clippers. Yeah, and I am going to go with Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova. 
He fits everything that they love. <laughs> yes, next pick. Uh, they could also use some front court depth, play alongside the, the guys that they have right now. A- another one that's used to taking over a leadership role when he has to, and when he doesn't have to, he's comfortable playing within that Villanova system. Some of the question marks on him were, is he going to be able to shoot? Didn't have the, the best numbers, but I, there was a game early in the year, I believe it was against Marquette. He was like six for seven from three or, or, or something along those lines. There's stuff there. He's going to look great in workouts, high character, high culture kid, bought into everything at Villanova. And in that locker room, I, I feel like he's going to fit in really well. All right, number 28, I think, is another one that I'm taking directly from the mock draft. It's Jared Butler to Philadelphia. Um, just perfect offensive creator for what they need someone who can maybe pinch hit at the point guard next to ben simmons someone who can get them some instant offense off the bench as a creator and as a shooter uh the floor spacing ability the offensive ability the fact that he's pretty good defensively as well i think really fits their culture it's just kind of an all-around fit yeah cosign 100 percent. okay number 29 where are we at this is my last this is my last pick right last pick with the phoenix suns i'm um, I'm going to be a little selfish here, and this is going to be a, a little bit more of my slant, but the the Suns have had the, the Chris Paul effect this season. You have Devin Booker, you have DeAndre Ayton. I was a little surprised last year by the, the Jalen Smith pick, but with the success of being able to have, I'm going to go with best available, I kind of think, and I'm going to go with Trey Murphy, the third oh, from you Virginia. I, I thought he <laughs> was We'll be back like, next week. Penny still sucks. Yeah. I thought I, I had him like in pen to the utah jazz i was wow. ready okay like okay. i i was like there's no circumstance where he's taking trey murphy <laughs> well you know what? i i prepped this whole thing and i was doing these picks for other people and i said this is my time to to be selfish i'm gonna pick for the oh. suns here i love trey, it and he fits yeah. everything james jones looks for by the way right he, he fits that and also another guy not to to be repetitive but figured it out more toward the end of the year had a bad stretch of three or four games is athletic has put on more weight was actually scheduled to redshirt this year got a late waiver so it's kind of thrown right into the acc fire can shoot it has a little bit of a, a funky release but is getting better believing himself more it's a, a kind of a i don't want to say unconventional i don't want to say safe but i, I like what he does just from a fit and a style and, and kind of has that NBA build that you would want from the wing. Oh, this is gross. You, you are, why are we friends? Um, bad friend. Oh, now I need to like really like think because I think that what Utah needs is like another perimeter defender who can hopefully knock down shots because that really fits their scheme. I mean, like this is, this is gross. Penny. You've left me. You've left, left me. me no choice but to take a player you've never heard of. Yeah, the guy that I don't know. Anything <laughs> um, there, there are not many of them. Oh, this is disgusting. You are a gross individual. Um, I'm gonna go Roko Prakachin. There he uh, is. Yeah, I, I don't really even love the pick, but there's a world where you could convince yourself if you are. The Utah Jazz that, uh, you know, they'll have good intel on him with Boyan Bogdanovich being Croatian. Um, the, you know, the thing that they need probably positionally is the four, I guess. Uh, you know, Prakachin has improved as a shooter this year. He's really mature, um, tough player, point forward skills. 
I mean, it's. I think he's probably best off stashing for one more year, personally. But uh, you know, maybe the Jazz want that. Maybe the Jazz would like to be able to stash him and then try and keep the luxury tax bill a little bit cleaner for next year. I can hear how much I broke your spirit. In your oh, voice. you've you've totally <laughs> fucking broke me here. I was like ready. I was oh like, yeah, was I was like, we are we are going to be yeah. at the forefront of the Trey Murphy first round bandwagon. I'm going to lead the charge. And then I'm excited because I'm I'm glad that we are still. I'm glad that um, I'm glad that you've done this. I'm glad that you've taken this road for us. But oh, I wanted to be the one. That's gross, Penny. That's really gross. It, it's it still circles back to you. Still, still your podcast. It was, it was him and I had a couple of names, but he was the guy that I. If it was going last, that's a, a good one to finish on for me, anyway. Okay, so so names that didn't get taken. Uh, Greg Brown. I mean, look, I like I kind of mentioned earlier, I did the Kai Jones um, draft guy profile yesterday, so I watched a lot of Texas. The Greg Brown stuff is bad because you go back, you watch, for instance, the Baylor game. Like, Baylor, when Kai Jones got on the court, like, decided, okay, we're going to try and attack Kai. And Kai is switchable, and they eventually uh realized okay maybe we can't deal with kai jones and switches let's just switch on to greg let's try and get our guys on to greg brown it did not go well for greg brown uh on tape no like not really a shooter not really good defensively yet super athlete but it's gonna take a lot of time and it's it's enough time that i would prefer him in the second round personally uh bones highland is guy rokas jacobitis is a guy um josh christopher is another one that i know people really like uh you know are we surprised josh christopher didn't go yeah i was, I was eh, well once you start doing it though that that's the difference it's, it's different when you're kind of juggling around names and you have a 24 versus an actual team name and fit I mean him uh do you mention marcus bagley that one like i don't know if he, he's in out well he's uh, Turch- yeah i mean like he's still kind of making a choice it seems unclear if he's going to be in the draft me, me personally like i would take marcus bagley somewhere in the late first but yeah yeah i i, I considered 29 Aaron shannon from texas tech he's right mm-hmm. there aaron henry michigan state he's probably close in, in that range I'm trying to think who else um i will say one guy that i do really like more and more uh as i watch is herb jones out of alabama um, yeah I, he's been he, he had an awesome year i mean first first round probably not yeah. not my my speed my yeah. style but you get him in the second the 40s i'm there for that the, the thing with herb jones is just that if the if he ever figures out how to shoot it he really might be an nba starter he, he does enough stuff from the intangible standpoint that the jumper has to get there i mean he he shot like and you probably have it like seven percent or nine percent his freshman year it got better it still was never his calling card but he had enough big plays where he blocked a shot at the end of the game he took a charge he drove down the lane and kicked out he did so many things that really impacted winning that i would want to maybe take a chance on him like i said in that kind of 40-ish range and if he doesn't start right away in the nba if you have to put him in the g league a little bit and see if he figures it out then you just slide him up to the big leagues and he can go right in like his game it's not like he has to have something really click and he's just going to be a shooter he does all all the the little pieces around it that makes him valuable on the court yeah sec player of the year sec defensive player of the year two-time sec all defense um was all sec tournament this past year like just does every single little thing such a good passer he can make a ton of different passing looks um 
super high level defender one through four like just across the board he's just really good really talented player I like I, I like he is uh, I've been saying like Aaron I'm more interested in Aaron Henry um, as a prospect I, I think Herb Jones is way better the more that I watch like I way better wow this, I think is, a, this is a turn from you because you yeah you're beating the the Henry drum for a while here I was I, I think I was a little too high like I, I think that Herb Jones is just like a better basketball player I mean again this guy won the SEC def- like SEC player of the year award this year playing for Alabama much better passer like Aaron Henry a lot of the passing reads like come within the flow of the offense like Herb Jones like creates passing angles yes um, totally yeah like I mean both of them are gonna have to shoot on some level right it's and I'm, I'd rather have the guy who's a little bit better defensively a little bit better as a team defender particularly and a better passer like he's just kind of across the board like more that kind of guy you know sounds like you just drafted him 30th no i didn't i'm gonna be Rico <laughs> but you know yeah not trey murphy unfortunately you you are you've ruined my day it's nine like and i don't have or you don't have long to go today i have a while to go today <laughs> like i still have a long day ahead of me and i'm gonna be thinking you're, that motherfucker matt penny he you're, you're gonna be walking trey murphy like the uh the the picture from narco is just like sitting on a playground like by yourself <laughs> like an empty pool <laughs> Sam, it's not that serious it's a mock draft we'll be okay we'll get through it um have you watched any movies this weekend Ooh, uh, a couple i watched the yes i'm a pro wrestling nerd i watched the booker t documentary last night i also watched i might, I might butcher this name things heard and seen or things seen and heard on netflix horror movie not uh well, oh i saw that was it good Amanda, say free, say free. Am I saying that wrong? Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, I, I'll, I'll be polite. I, I wasn't a fan. Didn't know what it wanted to be. Kind of supernatural. You, you sure. buy the old house. Hijinks ensue. There's a ghost. There's not. Whatever. But I, it just didn't uh, didn't catch my attention enough. Okay. Um, so I watched Without Remorse, the like Michael B. Jordan thing. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I just want to see Michael B. Jordan in more action movies, but this one was not great, unfortunately. Yeah, that's what I'd heard. The, the reviews weren't great. The action scenes are, like, incomprehensible. The movie is kind of incomprehensible in general, because uh, it's just not very good. Yeah, the, the Well, define is- incomprehensible, though. We're, we're also fans of, like, Fast and Furious, where cars are... You know, doing like front flips off bridges and landing and, and driving well, away. So, well, like with the action scenes, the problem is that in the Fast and Furious movies, you always know what's happening in the action scenes, right? Like, you can just, they're visually very easy to watch, they're visually understandable. The Tom Clancy uh, Without Remorse movie with Michael B. Jordan, the way it's shot, you can't really always tell what's happening. It doesn't really have that like flow from this happens, so now this is happening, so now this is happening. It feels a little bit more random than that almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a problem. Um, and then the script is just not as good. Like The script just doesn't really make sense. Uh, I watched Stowaway with Anna Kendrick and Daniel Day Kim oh, and no. Tony Collette. How is that? It's fine. Like I, I <laughs> okay. think it's just like fine. I, I, um, I've, I've, tr- I've tried because it, it, Netflix has the the great ability of you scroll over the title, it shows the the, the whatever twenty second preview. Sure. And when the plot was a guy was stuck in the overhead space and like fell out during the space shuttle, I'm like, this is a a movie. Like this is a script. Like yes, do that. Yeah, no, I, that didn't really track with me. It was kind of hard for me to wrap <laughs> around that, to be honest. Um, 
And then I watched Hunter Hunter, which is like this uh, movie where a family lives out in the wild and like the father goes missing kind of thing. So it's then like a mother and daughter uh, navigating that. It has one of the most batshit crazy endings I have ever seen in my entire life to a movie. Wow. Okay. Um, you've seen a few you've seen a few movies, so this must be pretty wild then. It is one of the craziest like endings I've ever seen point blank, period. Um the movie itself I think is kind of messy and like doesn't really have any narrative momentum. Like it kind of bounces back and forth between characters without like building character. Um so like the movie is not great, but the ending is just like what in the world is happening right now? Maybe I'll just have to fast forward with no context and watch like the last 10 minutes. Yeah, I think the last 10. You would get it from the last 10. Okay, you get a taste, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then my wife and I are still watching The Bureau. I I think that's the one. It was funny, I was talking to an agent last night, and he was like, yeah, like, me and my wife were like watching The Bureau. It's like this French show, and I was like, shut the fuck up. My wife and I are also watching that. Shout out, uh, (laughs) Do not tell me more. Shout out Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald from The Watch for convincing me to go down this road because that show is awesome if you want to watch like a really, really good TV show. Yeah, I just I, I gotta get better. I gotta get better with, with subtitle stuff. I just have the bad habit of not putting my phone down and I hate missing like a scene and mm, you have to rewind it. Yeah. Like, God, oh, I read that. I not I that's a that's just a me problem though. Yeah, the the part of the reason I like it probably is in part like it forces me to put my phone down, which is like good for me at the end of the yes. day. Yes. <laughs> you need some need some separation, which is difficult at times. Uh, all right, Penny, uh, tell the people where they can find uh, find you on the internet. Tell the people what's going on in your life. Find me on the internet, Matt underscore Penny, at Twitter. My life is just uh, surviving here. My my wife had Achilles surgery, so we're, we're day by day, hour by hour. Oh, please, uh, please, please send sympathy and good wishes, I guess. Please please Venmo Matt Penny money. <laughs> no, do here. not do that. Don't do that. We'll end up some weirdo story, like a podcast I ended up with $78 and <laughs> spent it on, you know, Sour Patch Kids and, I don't know, BioSteel. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember rate, review, subscribe. I have a really fun story coming probably early next week if you made me bet i don't know um when it's gonna officially be out but i'm working on something pretty fun i'll have a big board probably late next week um but a lot of my time right now is just kind of being spent building the draft guide i'll also be podcasting at least one more time on the nba this season uh this week maybe twice depending on if i can find a couple of good guests so uh, until next time we'll talk soon bye